Hey there, Agile Capsule Wardrobes. You know, where you buy a limited number of pieces that you can interchange and use for many different occasions, as opposed to having a separate outfit for every single occasion, so your wardrobe is much smaller. And welcome to another episode of Agile Bytes, the podcast sponsored by Integrity Inspired Solutions, where we build software in an agile manner, day in and day out. As you probably know by now, we are doing a series on the assumptions behind Little's Law. And you can tell it's a series because I am wearing the same shirt as I did for the last one, if you're watching the video. Even if you're not watching the video, I am wearing the same shirt that I did for the last one. Why do we care about this? Because as we work on the assumptions behind Little's Law, our system becomes more stable. And why do we care about stable systems? Because then as we do planning, as we look for areas of improvement, we have a much more predictable and easier to reason about system to talk about than one that's very unpredictable and all over the map. Again, I would like to acknowledge that the most important thing for a team to be doing is not to be predictable, but to deliver value. That is the most important thing. But assuming that we are focused on delivering value, then we care about the consistency of the delivery mechanism, both for ourselves and for the organizations that we serve. So that's why we're talking about the assumptions behind Little's Law. If you've been tracking with this series, the first assumption we talked about was that the arrival rate and departure rate of our work need to be the same. The second one that we talked about was that work that enters the system has to eventually leave the system. And today we are talking about the third assumption, which is that the amount of work in process should neither increase nor decrease. It should be relatively constant. Now, there's a few notes I would like to make about this particular assumption. One is when we talk about the amount of work in progress needing to be constant, we are talking about the amount of work in the whole production system. We are not talking about that the amount of work needs to be the same across the whole system. We are not saying that the amount of work in process in one particular stage of our system needs to be the same all the time. But we are talking about the total amount of work in process from it enters our production workflow till it leaves our production workflow. The total number of items in that, the total number of items on your Kanban board on the in-progress columns should neither increase nor decrease. I'd also like to note that this assumption of Little's Law says nothing about what your WIP should be. It doesn't tell you that it should be a certain number. It doesn't even tell you it should be low. All Little's Law cares about is that it isn't volatile. So in theory, your WIP limits might even be higher than they should be. But from a Little's Law perspective, the math doesn't care. The math behind Little's Law only cares that the total amount of WIP is relatively constant. It isn't volatile. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But I think that just goes to show us that Little's Law is not the end-all be-all when we think about how to run a good software development operation. It just gives us some helpful things to think about. I will say that this particular principle, this particular assumption is a little weird in the list. And I hesitate to say that it's the least important. So there, I just hesitated to say it was the least important. It is probably the least important. Not that it isn't important. It's just weird. And I'll get into why it's weird but also because it doesn't necessarily have helpful recommendations in it. You, you can keep your whip stable and it can still be too high. So just keep in mind, these assumptions make Little's Law work. They're all very helpful, but they don't take you completely where you need to go. And Little's Law doesn't either. It's just, it's just a helpful mathematical relationship to help us figure out why things are taking so long. So Little's Law doesn't 
have a concept of what the right amount of whip is for your team. It just wants it to be stable. So think about a restaurant, okay? And you, you are waiting for a table at dinner time and you are waiting for a table at 3 a.m. Those wait times are probably gonna be significantly different, right? And the reason that they're different is because the amount of people in process is probably pretty different. There's probably some restaurants where that's not the case, but generally speaking, there is. You go to a restaurant at dinner time and it is packed, right? All the tables are full. There are people in the lobby with little pagers waiting for their table. There are people, maybe there's a line out the door. And your wait time, the your time that you spend in that restaurant to be seated, to get your food, to eat your food and leave, is going to be very different than if you go at a time when virtually nobody is there. And a lot of that is due to the fact that the amount of whip that that restaurant is dealing with is very, very different at both of those times, right? In fact, it's so different that if we were trying to optimize this restaurant and we were trying to optimize their flow, it would almost make no sense to take the data from 3 a.m. and the data at, say, 7 p.m., and average those together and say, this is the rate that we need to optimize, right? It's almost night and day, right? It's almost like two different restaurants at that point because the amount of work that's in process is so different. You wouldn't add those things together, average them out and say, yeah, this is the rate at which we serve people. What might make some sense is to take all of your dinner times, right? Look at all your dinner times for the past, you know, say 6 p.m. to 8 p.m for the past three months and look at your times from that. But now your whip is about the same in those situations. Your whip is relatively constant when you, when you frame it that way. So that's what we're trying to do with our software production systems. If we look at a system where the whip is exceptionally low, and then we look at the system at a later time and the whip is exceptionally high, what can we say about those two different states of the system that's going to make sense, right? That they're, two completely different things. And at any given time, if it could look like one or it could like could look like the other, any statements we made about them would be completely meaningless, right? If we if we plan around the huge whip limit, well, all those plans are going to, and predictability is going to be ridiculous when we're in a situation where we've only got a few items. And if we plan around only have a few items, all those plans are going to fall apart in those situations where we've got tons and tons of whip, right? So when we are looking at things like average flow, we want our system to be less volatile, right? We want to have as little volatility in that system as we can. And part of that is the level of whip. In fact, the funny thing about like averaging extremes like that, you know, like the restaurant at 3 a.m. and the restaurant at dinner time, is that the average that you come up with may never actually occur in reality. That's the funny thing about averages is if your data set tends to fall to extremes, then the average that you come up with might never actually occur in reality ever, right? Because what normally happens is in one of those two extremes, it's never in the middle. So if we really want the predictiveness of our system to count, if we, and if we're trying to do things like find our true constraint, really see where our bottlenecks are, really analyze our flow problems, we want to take away as much volatility as possible. And this is just one of those levers to pull. So how do we do this? Well, the primary way we do this is we pull work at the rate that we finish it, which you might remember is actually one of the assumptions of Little's Law. In fact, it's really hard to see 
why this is even a separate assumption, right? Because if work is leaving your system at the exact same rate that it's coming in, then the work you have in progress is always going to be the same, right? An item leaves, an item comes in. An item leaves, an item comes in. Those two things are perfectly synced. So you're always going to have the same number of items in the system at all times. Two items go, two items come in, right? So why is this even a separate thing? Well, as indicated, they're actually very, very similar. And if you're doing a good job at matching your arrival rate to your departure rate, your whip is going to be pretty constant most of the time. The only times that this is not the case is usually when your system is undergoing some kind of transition and your departure rate is going to start to change because your arrival rate is not going to change at the same time that your departure rate is going to change. Let, let me give you an example. Let's say we're starting a brand new team for the very first time, right? We have pulled no work. Our arrival rate is zero and our departure rate is zero and our whip is zero, right? Well, you're going to have to start at some point, right? You can't finish something if you don't start something. So you're going to pull items in even though your departure rate is zero. So now your arrival rate is one or maybe two or however big your team is, right? So your arrival rate is one or two, your departure rate is zero and your whip is one or your whip is two, right? Eventually over time, your arrival rate and departure rates will equalize out and your whip will equalize out. But there's going to be a time frame in which those things are out of kilter, right? Likewise, let's say we do something to our workflow and it's a huge, huge efficiency bump. And so all of a sudden, our departure rate shoots way up, right? Well, now our arrival rate needs to catch up and, our, and, and it's real easy to pull work, right? So our arrival rate shoots way up. It could take some time for our whip to equalize or if both of those drop, all of a sudden we lose half the team, right? So our departure rate drops, but our arrival rate hasn't dropped yet. And our arrival rate, because we have half the team, will eventually drop. But there's probably going to be some time where the whip in the middle kind of needs to clear out. So there are certain times where your arrival rate and your departure rate match and your whip is changing. But those are brief moments of time. Most of the time, by and large, if your arrival and departure rate are pretty equal, then your whip is going to stay the same throughout the whole time. The, the number of situations where that isn't the case is very temporary and edge cases. Another thing that you can do that I'm a big fan of, and I got to be honest with you, not many software teams have the courage to give this a shot, is drum buffer rope scheduling of your work items. And the way DBR scheduling works is like this. First of all, you have to know what your constraint is. And in this context, by constraint, I mean, what's the link in the chain that has the lowest throughput, okay? Things take the longest or it requires the most specialized skill set, or, you know, it's just harder to hire or for whatever reason, when work items get to this point in delivery, this is where we go the slowest. And every chain has it. It doesn't even mean they're going slow. It just means they're slow in comparison to the rest of the chain, right? They're, they're the piece where the fewest things move through over time. If you can identify where that is, then what you do is you put a little buffer of work items to hold work items for that piece to do, and you organize the rest of the chain around keeping that buffer with items in it. And everybody else just pulls work when an item vanishes from that buffer. Okay, So that means that your constraint pulled new work. So now everybody else can sort of spring into action, right? So if you do that, then your whip is going to stay constant, 
But the other thing that you've done is you have optimized your flow for your constraint, which is something in the theory of constraints you need to do in order to begin to truly get a bang for your buck when you start to optimize your constraint, right? So think about it, give it a shot, see what happens. Now you may be thinking, well, if I do that, then there's gonna be periods of time when members of my team might not have a lot to do. Well, A, I've yet to be on the software development team where you couldn't find something to do besides work on a card. There's always documentation that needs to be updated. There's always test coverage that could be improved. There's always things that we wanted to refactor. You know, there's always little technical improvements that you can make or little tools that you could write for your team or batch files or things like that to automate certain things. There's always stuff you could be doing. And B, so what? So you have people who are not actively producing new cards all the time. That's great. So now they're free to respond to other opportunities. Now you have Slack in your system and you've created pace where your constraint is not overburdened. What should that person be doing if not matching their production to your slowest link? Should that person be producing more than your chain can actually handle? Is that good? Is it good to have stuff piling up and sitting in your queue for days and days and days and days because your system can't process it fast enough? Is that better? Probably not, right? So think about drum buffer rope scheduling and try an experiment. Give it a shot, see what happens. Finally, something you can do is to favor lower limits and favor more frequent deliveries. Now, having lower limits on its own is not gonna keep your whip limit constant and delivering frequently on its own is not gonna keep your whip limit constant, but here's what it will do. It will increase the rate that things leave your system. Now, when we're looking at our system, we want our arrival rates and departure rates to line up. We have very little control over how long things take. So we don't have a whole lot of control over the departure rate. We have lots and lots of control over our arrival rate. How frequently do we start new items? We have a lot of control over that, right? So if our departure rate begins to rise, it's child's play to start pulling more work than we used to. It's super easy. If we find that we're delivering too quickly, it's super easy to just start more work, right? That's, that's nothing, right? It's very, very difficult to go the other direction. So if we're wanting our whip limits to equalize, keep your batches small, keep your sprints short if you use sprints, keep your whip limits low if you use whip limits, and just keep your work items small and have frequent delivery because if your delivery rate is high, it's very, very easy to scale up starting new work to match your delivery rate. It's much, much more difficult to go the other direction. And that brings me then to kind of my last note is to remember that Little's Law says nothing about your whip limits being low. And it says nothing about looking at your throughput or your team size and picking the right limit that's right for your team. It will not help you do that. It just cares that it's stable. So it doesn't tell you everything you need to know about your whip limits. So I'm telling you that you want your whip limits to be as low as you can get them while still getting your full throughput from your constraint. And that's why things like drum buffer rope scheduling can be so helpful. Or if that's not your thing, just keeping a good eye on where your constraint is and how things are moving through the system and making sure your whip limits are low enough to facilitate that. 
because if your system is stable, the lower the WIP limits you have, the, low, the less work you have in process, the faster individual items are going to be delivered. And that's what you want. So don't overwork. Don't underwork. As you're looking at your system, think of the things that you need to do to keep your work in process from either ratcheting up over time or ratcheting way down. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Agile Bites. Agile does sometimes bite, but we don't think it always has to. If you enjoyed what you heard today, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you happen to be using. And if you can, leave us a comment because we'd love to hear your feedback. What things would you like to hear about? What things did you hear that were valuable to you today? You can also head over to integrityinspired.com to sign up to our email list. But that's all for today, folks. We'll see you next time.